This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Welcome to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. Oh my god, that was like a '60s like vintage radio. Hello, I'm Scout. Was it? <laughs> oh, it was. I am the older sister. We are sisters. I Rel, and we co-host this wonderful, beautiful, informative, inspiring, fun, relatable podcast. What? Uh, give me one more. Give me one more. Aspiring. Nope. Where trendy. That? Trendy. 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 What's up, guys? Welcome to the pod. Um, something just absolutely absurd happened to scout right before we hit record so scout would you like to reenact what just happened to you yeah so i oh my god this is so terrible so two days ago which was we're recording this on a friday so it was wednesday was inauguration day for some reason me and um our stepbrother were watching like a video for my wedding and then I texted my friend about it because he was in the video. And then he just texted me back today. He's like, oh, my God, is it your wedding anniversary? And I stopped and I looked at the calendar. Guys, yesterday was my wedding anniversary. And my husband and I completely forgot. Like, it completely missed our, like, and we even talked about it last week. We were like, what should we do for our wedding anniversary? And we actually have date night planned tomorrow. But that date night was not, was not top of to my be. It was not supposed I, to be an anniversary dinner. This is a sin. Like, the the, <laughs> the joys of life are anniversaries, okay? A, a marking of a big accomplishment and a celebration. A reason to continue the celebration year after year. And you have deprived, you guys have stolen that from your life cycle. And I feel, I just like am appalled. My and friend, my friend right. is real life texting me right now. Oh my God. Wait, what? You guys forgot with like 10 question marks. But you know what? Something must have been in the air because last night I was putting on all these like 2000s music and I had a face mask on and You're Beautiful by James Blunt came on. So Adam and I slow danced silly and weird with Luna in between us to the entire song of You're Beautiful by James Blunt. And I sang it to him, but I changed the lyrics to I'll never be with you to I'll always be with you. I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> what just happened? I'm just kidding. Things I do that with that with Ben as well. We just do like little slow dances in the middle of the day. Oh, look how cute we are. I can't believe this is my third wedding anniversary, and I didn't even post a picture on Instagram. I mean, I mean, if you didn't post a picture on Instagram, did it really happen? I cannot believe that we forgot our wedding. Although, you know what? Let me tell you this. So Adam and I have been together for like almost eight and a half years. And so for five years, our anniversary was in September. And so it it has never fully, fully gotten into my mind that our anniversary that we celebrate now is in January. You know what I mean? So wait, I have. Yeah. So I have a marriage question. Um, Do you then disregard the September anniversary or do you celebrate both? We don't celebrate the September anniversary, but we say like, oh, babe, eight years together today. Like we acknowledge that that is a time marker in our relationship, but we are supposed to, you know, celebrate the wedding one. Yes. Yes. We're supposed to do something. 
Um, I would just like to acknowledge, you know, I always make it about me this time of year. Um, so this is the three-year anniversary. I can't believe I forgot um, the three-year anniversary of the most snatched that I've ever looked in my life. Like, the best I ever looked. I will never look that way again. If you guys want to see a photo, maybe I'll post a photo in honor of your <laughs> wedding anniversary of how fucking good I looked. And, um, you know, every year this time rolls around and I'm just like remembering just how uh, how snatched I look remembering the best weekend of our lives truly the best weekend of our lives truly the best weekend of our lives I should post a slideshow I should post my wedding video why to my Instagram a, let's let's why don't you give a little let's do let's go down memory lane what where was it uh, paint a picture for us okay so I got married um January oh, wait first <laughs> what date was it yeah what wait. date was it so um this is actually we should definitely post your wedding video because do you know that to this day I still watch it like to pregame? Yeah, it's an and epic I, video. I, I still watch it like if I just want a good cry, I'll watch it. Like I was in Joshua Tree with my friends. We all got COVID tested and went to Joshua Tree and we, we watched it. Yeah, you tell me that you pregame to it constantly. Um, so my wedding video is is actually one of the best wedding videos I think to ever grace this world. Shout out to the Hubs Film h-u-b-s if you're yeah if you're in southern california hit them up they're a husband wife duo and just really really amazing so yeah why don't when this episode goes live let's post my wedding video um but anyways i got married january 21st 2018 at the parker hotel in palm springs which if you are unfamiliar by the parker it is this magical alice in wonderland type hotel that jonathan adler uh decorated and did all the interior design for and I got married on the Jean Autry lawn, which is like a fucking football-sized lawn, and we had a beautiful canopy of lights, a white dance floor. It was the most magical, magical day. We had the Jean Autry house, which a lot of people don't know at the Parker Hotel. There's actually a house on the property, um, and so we rented out the house for two nights where Mads, me, and my sister-in-law Kristen stayed the night before. I got married and the whole thing was like everyone was crying. Everyone was just bawling all day. Everyone. Everyone. And then my yeah, I mean that, yeah. yeah, my uh one of my best friends, Micah, made a speech, which is what I was watching two days ago, and unbeknownst to me that it was my wedding anniversary. Um, he made a speech and he surprised me with the gay men's choir of Palm Springs who came out and sang Seasons of Love at my wedding. It was spectacular. Um, I'd love to give some of my memories of that weekend. Number one, did not sleep the night before your wedding. Not one wink. Not Why? one wink. Um, I don't know. I, I just did not sleep. And I was so nervous that I wouldn't be able to poop in the morning, which is, you know, a very big thing for me. Um, I don't poop when I'm, like, not in my comfortable space. Mm-hmm. You know, when you travel, yes, I'm sure yes. people all of us, will, will all of relate us. to this. Okay, thank you. You look like you were looking at me like I was fucking weird. I know, but that's just actually you're right. That was like a really major concern of us the night before. We were talking about whether or not like we oh, were talking about move. it. I brought laxatives. I brought smooth move. I, I brought it all. Um, and thank God I did. I did. Um, yes. I, I remember did. you, me and Kristen were like, yes, score. We did it. Woo! Like we got coffee. We got the laxatives. We were we were done. We were mm-hmm. great. Um, another amazing memory that I don't know if you know. So there was the rehearsal dinner, right? It was the night before. Yes. yes. Um, and it was at the that house that you just mentioned. And Ben and I, my boyfriend, snuck oh my off god, oh my god, to did have you sex, have sex during? Yeah. But where? Like in my bed? No, in like my hotel room. Oh, I don't give a fuck. I thought you like no, had sex like in my sacred w- marriage bed. Oh, of course not. But what I'm saying is like we literally left the party in the mid. It was like legit the middle peak of the party. And we left and came back and not one person knows except for your friend Austin who saw us leave. Oh, except for now, everybody that's listening to this podcast. Um, it was a great moment. Yeah. The rehearsal dinner was amazing. Like Friday night, we all went to a Mexican restaurant for Shabbat dinner. Saturday night, we had the rehearsal dinner at the Gene Audrey house, which was very 1960s vibes, old Hollywood, like vintage, mid-century, modern, Frank Sinatra stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, you, your adjectives these days are just, like, the list is a little too long. Oh, I'm just trying to be, you know. <laughs> Thorough. D- uh, yeah, descriptive. Um, and then Sunday, since Jewish weddings are on Sundays and not Saturdays, 
we had the whole wedding day and then we had brunch Monday morning at Norma's and it was the most god damn it feels like so long ago like I know three years isn't that long but it just feels very long ago yeah, it does feel like a different lifetime. Well, happy anniversary to you two. You guys are marriage goals, still going strong. Um, any advice for the the newlyweds, the recent newlyweds that are listening or no? Um, I mean, getting married doesn't really change too much of the day to day, except the one thing I will say that is different, and I can't even remember a time where this wasn't, is that finances are combined okay, this is boring this is not sexy what's like oh. the, it's like the love stuff like how to keep it how to keep it sparky oh um like for me the little thing is that every time I see him or greet him whether it's in the morning or when I come home it's always like even if it's five seconds I put my love into it like I give him a kiss and a hug and I you know say you look handsome or I'm so happy to see you just like little stuff like that that adds up so like every time we read we we re-meet when he comes home from work I'm like babe hi how was your day like just making sure that whenever we come together whether it's in the morning or if he leaves to run an errand and comes home it's always kind of like a cute little special five second moment when we get reunited so tender so sweet yeah so anyways um epic fail on my behalf and his behalf he hasn't texted me back yet I wrote in all uppercase babe we forgot our wedding anniversary yesterday oh my god so we'll this see what he was. Res- we just love each other so much that we just love every day. We love every day oh together. Oh, my God. Also, every day is an anniversary. Also, it's like COVID. I can't, like, go make a nice reservation. Right, right, right. right. I, yeah, I, it, it, it makes it makes sense that it slipped your mind. This, this year doesn't count in terms of uh, celebrations. Okay, enough about me and my marriage goals situation. Um, we have a virtual live event coming up on February the 6th. And it's going to be fucking amazing. We have two incredible guests, Brittany Xavier, which you might know. Um, She is kind of like an OG fashion influencer, an amazing mom. She has risen in the ranks on TikTok this year. And I kind of look to her as an example that someone my age can have a thriving TikTok career because she's (laughs) so ridiculously good at it. But she's also very similar in age to me. So I feel connected to her in that sense. Right. She is definitely the leading millennial on TikTok for sure. She's been able to tap into that market. So we'll we'll be asking her all the questions about that. And then the other guest that we have is Natalie Maraduena, who is David Dobrik's assistant. We chatted with her last week, which was so exciting. She is just it's going to be such an amazing conversation all about self-care body positivity making sure you know how to even run in operations of a successful youtube channel and things that she's done with david apart from david so um if you are big fans of the vlog squad you will not want to miss that conversation and because and, also yeah. at the end of these interviews we also have 10 minutes of q a so you will get a chance to ask uh, Natalie and Brittany questions and what would be an Ocasis event without a mental health situation so do you want to talk about our mental health panel yes so we are having Meadow from the local optimist which is Mad Happy's publication um, on mental health she is going to come in and do a presentation so Meadow will be conducting this workshop with us and there's going it's gonna be very interactive we're gonna have you guys participate you know not it's gonna be just such cozy vibes everyone the attire is pajamas um, because it is a sleepover and we're just gonna have matching sweatsuits galore and tea and then if you want mimosas like that's okay too so the date and time is February 6th. That is a Saturday, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Zoom so we can all safely be together. And if you want to get tickets, they're $20. You can get them at the link in our show notes below. Or if you go to our Instagram at OKSIS Podcast, the link in our bio has the ticket event as well. Or our secret Facebook group, OK Sisters. And we can't wait to see you there. Can't wait. All right. So this episode is a topic that we actually have not explored on the podcast yet, and I'm very surprised that we haven't, um, but we have the founder and CEO of the Alliance for Eating Disorders Awareness on today. Her name is Joanna Kandel, and one, just, I mean, a complete gem of a human being. Let's just get that out of the way. A mother, a survivor, an incredible spirit and just such a such a caring person um but she struggled with um eating disorders for about 10 years of her life um thankfully has healed herself from them and is now 
dedicated her entire life's work to helping others find um, resources and healing in them in them as well. So um, we kind of talk a little bit about Scout and my background in uh, with eating disorders. Both of us thankfully have never been diagnosed, but obviously if you are a woman in the world, you probably have an interesting relationship or complicated relationship to food, to eating, to body image, which all ties into this exact topic. Yeah, it was it was a really, really poignant um, conversation, not only about her experience with eating disorders and healing and recovery, but also some things that we could do to prevent falling. Or I, I, I'm always really weary when we're talking about mental health, the verbiage that I use. But we talked a lot about preventative measures that one can take to establish a strong relationship with yourself, your body image, and your food so that you don't fall into eating disordered patterns that then um, relinquish control over over your life. So there's a lot of really great things that all of us can apply, whether or not we have eating disorders is not, as Mad said, as just women's in this society. So we hope you enjoy. We were really, really honored to have this conversation and hold space for this topic. And um, if you are interested, everything she talks about, there are links in the show notes to get involved with her alliance. There is a lot of support groups that she offers. And for those of you that are suffering with eating and are nervous to join a support group, I can personally vouch that support groups are one of the main ways I believe you heal in the beginning. That's where I started with my healing. And you don't have to say anything. Just show up go listen and you'll talk when it's the right time for you but they do have a lot of resources for those who are struggling um we definitely recommend you reach out um, and use joanna as an amazing resource for all this so enjoy sisters and we love you we love you sisters my goal these days is to always look put together when i leave the house nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Hi, Joanna. How are you? Doing good. Just got home and so thrilled to be here. Where is home? Uh, Home is in West Palm Beach, Florida. And um, I just got back from the office and I was trying to corral my four-year-old little girl into, you know, doing um, some iPad we love the screen when we need it. So, doing some iPad, I love that. It's like just figure it out. Here you go. There's there's like tummy time and there's iPad time. I I mean, you know what? I used to be one of those people that would like give folks like the shit face. Like when I go to restaurants and see like little kids on phones, be like, oh my god, I'm never gonna be that person. I'm totally that person. <laughs> I, I mean, how could you not be? Like, uh, it's. I am the same way. Like, I'm like, oh my God, how could you? But then I bet you when I'm a mom, like, I'm going to give that little kid anything to just oh, yeah. shut up for a second. I'm telling you, like, Steve Jobs is definitely on my list of prayers. Like, whenever <laughs> I, do, I choose to do that, I'm like, 
Thank you. So that's so funny. So I, I'm not a mom, but there's like this running joke in my family that I tell my in-laws. I'm like, when I get pregnant and you buy me shit, if you buy me anything that is a primary color, it's going in the trash. And so there's this whole thing. My family's like, well, don't they need to develop like the colors in their eyes or whatever? I'm like, she'll fucking see red somewhere. Like I'll point it out when we're outside. And then there's this meme of this mom who's like in this super neutral house, just like mine. And she's like all dolled up and she's like, there's no no primary color toys in this house. And then it's like her like all fucked up with all these primary <laughs> gross toys everywhere. That's like going to be me. Everything I said I would never do. Like I, you know, I, I very much believe in like, you know, like bashing gender norms. And like if my kid, whatever, whatever you identify as, that's great. Like literally like every night we read about like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and like read like all the Clinton books and then the next morning she's like mommy I really want to read like the Disney princess books and I'm like fuck like I'm like this is not working so yeah you're just like okay fine I don't know the best you can right like and so um oh I love that I love that well we are so excited that you are here that you took time out of your incredibly busy life as a mom and a founder and entrepreneur and we just we have so much to talk to you about especially about eating disorders you know we're we're we've never really touched on that subject on our podcast so this is going to be a really informative conversation and I think extremely helpful for a lot of listeners um before we start all that let's do a round of current fixations because we always love to be currently fixated on things so scout why don't you start Okay, so in the progression of OKSIS, we talk a lot about skincare, and I have very proudly gone from a two-step Cetaphil routine to an entire ridiculously expensive line that I need to now upkeep. Um, But in that process of figuring out skincare and the products that I like, it started dawning on me that I really wanted to prioritize clean beauty. And so I have been you know, I think I have one product that's not clean in my skincare routine right now, which I'm really, really happy about. Um, but the next step is my makeup. And so Mads and I aren't makeup people. Like, we don't know what to do with it. It's a very natural situation. I never wear it. But I ran out of my Bare Minerals um, tinted moisturizer. And a friend of mine, Leah Kripalani, who owns Shop Good here in San Diego, she said, you know, when it comes to clean beauty, like, don't run out and replace everything. It's going to be very overwhelming, but when you when you get, you know, when you're out of one product, replace it with a clean product. So, my tinted moisturizer was coming to an end and like Love Bare Minerals, it's a great fucking tinted moisturizer, but I needed a new one. And I was getting targeted added, targeted added on Instagram we like we are. do. Yeah, and I saw Ilya. So Ilya is a very clean beauty brand, and surprise, surprise, Shopgood has it, which is a store in San Diego. So I went in and, like, weirdly tried it on my forehead because of COVID. I had my mask on, Um, and it's so great. It's it's a really – it's a different texture, I'll say, than I think – most tinted moisturizers are because it doesn't have all that crap in it but it just provides I love the brand so much it just provides such effortless minimalistic natural clean beauty and so I've just become obsessed with the brand and I can't wait to expand into other products with them wow that was such a glowing review and Mm -hmm. honestly I I'm in the market for a tinted moisturizer so I'm going to check it out. Well, maybe for once, for once, you'll be influenced by me. <laughs> it's funny that you say that, Scout, because my current fixation is actually something that you notified me of, which is wild that I didn't know about this. Is it praying to God? No. Is it praying to God? Okay. Just wondering. No. <laughs> what? Welcome, Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> I think I found my people. That's all yeah. I can say. <laughs> Okay, so my current fixation is Bling Empire. Who is – is oh. anyone watching this? Me. Okay. So, Joanna, you're just in for a treat. So, this is a Netflix show that is centered around these very, very affluent Asians in Los Angeles. And it's like Selling Sunset meets Crazy Rich Asians – Oh it God. is like the perfect blend of these two iconic models on on Netflix. And 
there's just this burgeoning community that is so luxurious, so extravagant that I just had no awareness of in Los Angeles. And I can't even explain to you how, you know, it's just such a good show to, at the end of the day, you need to turn off. I've, I've just been in this mode where I'm like, I just need like a, just something to just, the brain has to just go to zero. And this is it guys. Like, also, don't you think, Mads, like the Real Housewives franchise, which I don't really watch, they were kind of, they were targeted towards us as wealthy people, mm-hmm. but like, oh, no. they're not. No, no, no. The wealth is not, but in Bling Empire, I mean, the they're wealth, dropping like 20K on nothing. The wealth in this show is <laughs> unparalleled. It is unparalleled. I'm so excited. Oh, Joanna, you're going to freak so out. Excited. You're going to freak out. So I would highly recommend everyone needs needs to watch this show. Um, and it's very much like the talk of the town. I, you know, I, I'm always into like the monoculture of what is going on in like the TV land and what everyone is talking about. And this is it. So everyone check out Boing Vampire. I love it. Okay. Love it. All right, Joanna, what is your current fixation? <sighs> okay. I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I will tell you that I'm totally obsessed with Cobra Kai. And I don't know if any of y'all have watched it. I cannot with that show. It's th- terrible, terrible, and unflippin' amazing at the same time. So I grew up loving Karate Kid. Like I thought that Ralph Macchio and I were going to get married. Like it was a thing. <laughs> Clearly I like grew up and like, you know, But then like about like four months ago, I discovered Cobra Kai, which takes place like in current day with all the characters from Karate Kid, the first one. And it is remarkably bad and phenomenal to watch. And so they just dropped the um, third season, I think it was at the beginning of the year. And I, it's been literally, I mean, I feel like the last two weeks, I, you know, I'm very heavily involved in advocacy. I do a lot of work on Capitol Hill. And like, I, the last two weeks have just like been decimating and like, you know, yesterday, thank goodness. And like, but Cobra Kai has gotten me through it. And if you have not watched it, it's just, you have to watch it. The, the best thing about that. Well, the best wait, first before I say one, I weirdly, I am like the content queen and I don't even know what you're talking about, which is crazy for me. And I'm so excited because I've been looking for a new show. So this is perfect. And then second, I love how remarkably bad is actually like a good thing is like Amazing. what I'm looking for. Yes. Yes. No, uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say that Mads is not going to enjoy Cobra Kai. (laughs) Mads, we kind of missed the Karate Kid movement because our mom only let us watch Disney. But my husband is so obsessed with Cobra Kai. He watches it non-fucking-stop. He makes the whole family watch it. And you put it on, and the two main characters, it is so bad. It is so bad. It's so bad, but, like... The music is all 80s, like, music. It's so, it's just, it makes my heart sing. And I have to tell you, like, all day working with what I do and, like, you know, I I mean, I I could also say, like, my fixation is still, like, you know, going back and listening to, like, like Jamila Jamil and, and, and Brene Brown right now because they literally have been giving me life the last, like, year of, of, like, this pandemic. But, like, the end of the day, like, when your brain needs to just shut off and you just need to watch, like, you know, bubblegum for your brain, like... It's awesome. I'm I'm so happy you said that. My husband's gonna be so stoked. I'm gonna let him know because he's just been binging it. He thinks I'm gonna watch it, and I'm and I'm not. Yeah. Um. I I can't do it. But I also don't really remember Karate Kid, so it doesn't have that like nostalgic yeah. pull for me. But, okay, this is amazing because you kind of alluded a little bit to all of the things that you do. Um, and that is that you are the founder and CEO of the Alliance for Eating Disorders Awareness and. You had a 10-year-long battle with a variety of eating disorders. Now, this was really, I was really, I don't know if the right word is excited, but I was really passionate about having this conversation because Mads and I, quote-unquote, have not suffered or dealt with, and you can tell me the right terminology that, that is the most appropriate here, with eating disorders. However, I will say that I think that in the eating disorder community, I really want to talk to you a lot about like prevention and Mm -hmm. because women have, you know, every, I posted a story that I gained weight because I went off medication and I was feeling uncomfortable in my body and I posted it on Instagram and like the DMs that came in from women, it's just incredible. And so I think that 
there's a lot of sisters in our community here that are going to really value from hearing your story. So I would personally be honored if you would feel comfortable talking to us about your personal story um, and how you have gone through recovery and healing yourself. Sure, absolutely. And and can I just say how how truly excited I am to be here and to and to and to share this space and this time with all of you. And and really, I just feel very honored to be able to reach out to your amazing community. I um, I talk about a topic that people don't genuinely or oftentimes like to have conversations around because eating disorders are still one of those things that are, you know, shrouded in secrecy and like, you know, really embedded in stigma. And so thank you for um, allowing me to, to have this, this space and this opportunity. Um, so, you know, eating disorders, which is a common misconception is not an, a disorder of choice. It's not like people wake up one day, look out the window, say it's a beautiful day in Palm Beach, Florida. I think I'm going to have anorexia nervosa today. They're actually like significant mental illness. Their biopsychosocial illnesses means that about 60 to 80 percent of the cause of eating disorders is actually genetic, and like the environment sort of pull, like pulls that proverbial like trigger. Um, and for me, like if you look at my life, it's really really crazy that you know eating disorders ran in my family. My mother um, was one of seven children, three brothers, three sisters, and her, and two of her sisters had eating disorders. Now, they grew up at a time where they didn't have a definition of eating disorders. They weren't even diagnosed at that time. And they lived in France. I lived here in Florida. And so it's not like I was even around them. So it wasn't like a learned behavior. Um, my dad has one sister and she had an eating disorder as well. So definitely as far as genes, like I was completely and utterly screwed. Um, also, um, I, I am a, a child of a Holocaust survivor, so um, I definitely have dealt with some transgenerational trauma. Um, my dad narrowly escaped um, Auschwitz. My whole entire, like his whole entire family passed away, um, was put into hiding. Um, and so that definitely made him become who he was, you know, very much, very, um, feelings abstinent, like never told me that he loved me, like nothing was ever good enough. Like when my, my parents had me, they wanted me to be everything that, that they never had the opportunity to be. And so there was a lot of pressure. My father also deals with obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and because of that, thank you, dad, I also got that as well. So, um, you know, I think so. So that part was really significant in the development of my story. Um, and then the other piece was, is that I've been struggling with anxiety my whole life. I, I don't remember a time where I didn't have that feeling, like even as like a little kid, the best way I could describe it is like, I was that little kid that would hide behind my mom's legs and like never felt good enough and thought that I, if I did enough for other people, um, then they would like me and then everything would be okay. Um, at the age of three, I started dancing. Um, and by the time I was 10, I was on a pretty professional track. I started going to New York every summer and I danced at School of American Ballet. And I really remember significantly the summer between sixth and seventh grade. So I was around 11 and a half at that time. I came home from being away in New York and I was in this, this class with, with other girls who were about three to four years older than me. And the, um, artistic director of the of the professional company we were at the school came in and said we want you all to audition to dance in the court of ballet for the nutcracker so snowflakes and flowers the only thing is is that we want you all to lose x amount of pounds before the audition and i was young i was prepubescent i did not need to lose weight however i had that athletic win at every cost, perfectionistic. Like if you tell me to jump off the second story of this building, I probably would do the same if that means like succeeding. And so I remember that conversation like it was yesterday. I got into the car, my mom picked me up and I looked at her and I said, mom, I'm gonna go on a healthy food diet because at that time, um, and this is gonna show my age, it was the late eighties and you know, snack rolls was taking over the world. Everything was fat free at the time. And I told her, I want to eat, you know, fruits and vegetables and eat healthy. And at the time I didn't, I ate a lot of junk and I didn't really like vegetables. And so as a parent, now being a parent now, when I said to my mom, I want to eat healthfully, she was like, excellent. That's great. And, you know, for a majority of people that don't have the genetic inf like influences and don't have the co-occurring um, comorbid 
anxiety and depression, like that's fine. When you look at what 95% of the US population is on a diet at some point, you know? And so I remember distinctly, that's how it started. Like I just was gonna watch what I was gonna eat, exercise a little bit more, but I really wasn't committed. Unfortunately, uh, several months later when we auditioned, uh, much to my dismay, I was the only one out of 15 girls that didn't get the part. And they pulled me aside and they very clearly said, Joanna, the reason why you didn't get the part is not because you're not a good dancer. It's because you look so young. And that was the first time I had that nasty game of telephone happen to me where I know they said that, but what I heard internally was you didn't get the part because you're too big. And I really, I really thought because he had emphasized so much weight loss that that, that was it. And they were just being nice. And if you have any listeners out there that were professional dancers or grew up in the dance world, like they're not that nice. Dance teachers are not that nice. And if you are, you're, thank you. And if you have a nice dance teacher, good for you. Not my story. <laughs> um, but that's really how it started. In that moment, I remember thinking, I'm going to do better. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't choose to have an eating disorder on that day. I just really wanted to do better. And you know, for me, that, that phrase, the path to hell is filled with good intentions, is so appropriate for individuals that experience eating disorders. They think that what they're doing is going to better themselves. And for me, a diet turned into an almost deadly 10-year struggle with my eating disorder. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Okay, so there's there's a lot to unpack here. One, you know, Scout mentioned in the beginning that we fortunately have never been diagnosed mm-hmm. with an eating disorder that being said and there is I'm glad you kind of brought out the genetic part of it versus the societal part it's mm-hmm. very interesting your past with uh, being a being first generation of a holocaust survivor our stepdad and our mom are very big in the Holocaust education fam, um, world. So we know a lot about what it means to be a first generation of that trauma. But then there's this societal part where that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. Um, you know, although I was never diagnosed with anorexia or bulimia, and you can also let us know what other forms there are, um, because those are probably the most common, but I remember, you know, being in middle school and my two best friends were very, very thin and very, as in like, didn't have to do anything. We're just so skinny, never worked out, ate everything imaginable. I am not built that way. (laughs) I was always a little chubby growing up and I thought that they were the right body. And that was the first memory I have of understanding that maybe skinny was superior in societal's vision of what beauty is. And I spent years not eating and working out when I was like 11. Like I would run miles, I would swim laps. It was absurd. And I, so every woman, even hearing this, if you're not even diagnosed with an eating disorder, has experienced difficulty and challenges around body image and around um, what we are intaking. And it's so toxic and it's this this insane burden day in and day out to be thinking about uh, about, you know, j- just how we can present ourselves as like 
better to others like why it ha- why is it so about the external perception like why can't we have I mean why can't we have grown up with like just being okay with ourselves and our natural bodies mm-hmm. why isn't that enough and um Mads um I remember very specifically and I can take this out if it's too personal but I remember you were in eighth grade and you were crying because you finally hit the weight of your best friend's and you were crying to me and you said, I'm actually skinnier than her and nobody cares. Yeah. And it was a really, really hard moment for me to yeah. to see that. But um yeah, you know, we I think we I think we all have levels. Like I made myself throw up for like six months, but it was because I was bipolar and so I just needed something to control. So it wasn't really about food or eating for me it was just like something to like track mm-hmm. so anyways yeah I'm so I'm so happy yeah. <laughs> I mean okay yeah. I have to say the fact that 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 both of you just disclosed so beautifully and thank you for that and I think that that shows tremendous vulnerability and I think that that's what makes like your listeners connect to you and also to say me too and that's exactly why I started the alliance and I will tell you like Scout, what you just said about about eating disorders, about you know um, purging, it's eating disorders are not about the food. They've never been about the food, and I know that the damn word eating eating is in eating disorders. But you know, if you think about and you, you talked about control, right? It's that you know the world seems so out of control. The one thing that I can control is what I put in in me, or in your case, like got, get rid of, right? Um, and you're so right, like about you know the societal's pressure of these bullshit standards, excuse my language, like um, there are are so, so many folks that live life in higher weight bodies that are absolutely healthy and that, you know, our society deems them overweight or that the, the, that bullshit O word obese, that's just so derogatory and so weight and so stigmatizing. And the truth of the matter is, is that we're not supposed to all come in one specific size or shape. However, with these, all these influences that, that, that we hear and, you know, I've spent a lot of time in this field and one of the things like that, that I love and I hate about social media is I love the fact that, you know, it just brings people together. You can have communities, you don't feel so alone at the same time. You know, we've known for a very long time that, that the mass media, like, you know, advertisements, magazines, television, are huge like perpetrators of these unrealistic images. Well, we also know now too that social media is even worse. And the and the um, reason why is that it's a lot more accessible. We're on it all the time. And yes, the, we do follow you know celebrities and influencers, but the majority of people that are that come up on your feed a lot are people in your close circle. And because you know them, you you view them as more credible. As okay, well, I know that this image has been photoshopped to be on this cover of the magazine. And let's be real, like you don't put one picture, you like take 57 pictures, you look for the picture that you look the best, you has like 26 filters on it. And it's typically you doing something really great, you know? And so, and then like we wait and we take a look at how many likes, how many shares, like, and so we're seeing all these mental health issues that are like, that are coming out of, and these body image influences that are coming out of like social media and like, we do live in a society, you know, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this part up. That's extremely like weight phobic, weight stigmatizing, um, you know, and the majority of, of people that experience eating disorders live in higher weight bodies. They're not that archaic, stereotypical young girl. It's, it's folks of all shapes and sizes, all ages, all races, all sexual orientations, like all, all genders. Like, and so I think because we have this idea of what eating disorders are and who develops them, it's very limiting and it often causes people to not access care when they really do need it. I want to talk about preventative care and I want to be very careful about the way I say that Mm -hmm. because I think there's two separate, you know, simplifying it Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. here. There's the what can women do who are predisposed to genetically having an eating disorder? How can they take care of their mental health so that when that door opens, when that trigger happens, Mm -hmm. um, 
they can potentially be self-aware enough yeah. to to prevent that. And then the second camp is what can just women do to practice more self-acceptance when it comes to their bodies so that they don't turn like what me and Mads did, which like we wouldn't consider clinical eating disorders, but like women shouldn't do that. Like that shouldn't be a thing that's a part of like fucking all of our stories. So what are some preventative healing things Mm -hmm. that women can do to to help maintain that self-love or that self-awareness? I think that's such a great question. Um, You know, first and foremost, I want to definitely say to anybody who's listening, um, genetics do not determine if it will happen or not. Like you might be genetically predisposed and you'll never experience an eating disorder. And that's like with everything, right? Um, The one thing is, is that I will tell you, I'm a really big believer in accountability, meaning that I believe that therapy is incredible. I think that in my opinion, I think everyone should be in therapy. Eating disorders. Yeah. Eating disorders and like disordered, this disordered body image and all of that. Those are maladaptive coping mechanisms. It's what we've latched onto to deal with something going on in our life. And I've been, I've been lucky enough to sit at some pretty extraordinary tables in my life. And and one of them is um, I'm a member of the ISMIC, which is the interdepartmental serious mental illness coordinating committee. It's a government, it's a government committee. And I was on a call a few weeks ago with them and they said that historically one in four Americans have some sort of mental illness. And since the pandemic has happened, we're looking at one in three. And the reason why I bring that up is to, is to go back to your prevention of, I think that for so long, mental health has been treated differently than physical health. Like we go to the doctor for a physical, we, you know, if you're, if you're female, female identifying, you go to the gynecologist, you do all of these things. And yet mental health is sort of left on the back burner. And I think it's because it's, it's above the neck. We're like, "Mm, it's not really necessary. So I think that if you start noticing that things are starting to flare up or you're getting very anxious or you're about to depression, don't hold back reach out for help, see a therapist, because so often all of that stuff permeates from that root cause. So, you know, definitely doing that. Number two is watch who you're following on social media. Like that's a big thing for me. Like if you're following someone and they make you feel bad about yourself, unfollow them. Like, and I know that that sounds really silly, but like, if you're like getting off of Instagram, feeling like total and complete shit, like you need to start curating your feed truthfully. Yeah, we are we're huge advocates of the unfollow method. Yeah. Like it's if it's not serving you, you do not need to see it. You literally engineer what you look at on on Instagram. 1 million percent, you know, and that is also like stepping away from diet culture. You know, I'm very much a believer in what's considered health at every size, which is that there is health at every size. And I don't believe in diets. Like, you know, obviously some some folks have to eat a certain way because they you know, they have certain allergies or they have some certain intolerances. I'm not talking about that, but like, you know, I believe that all foods are good foods. Do like for me, I got into a trap when I started labeling, this is good for me. And this is bad for me because innately, just like that, my four-year-old little girl, or like when we were kids, like when we're told not to do something, we want, we end up wanting to do it. And the number one behavior that leads to binging is restricting, sort of telling yourself you can't, you can't, you can't, and then you let yourself have it and you overeat or over have. And then that gets into that that shame spiral. I cannot believe that I did that. I need to punish myself. I need to work out. And that like that's also a big part is that, you know, moving your body should not be punitive. Like working out is fantastic, but you're not working out so that you can have that second helping of this or or that. You're moving your body to maintain health. Um, so for me, those are definitely things that, that I would just like share with people that like, like really examine the source. Like if it's starting to feel just a little overwhelming, it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to reach out to people. Yeah. The shame spiral is something I definitely relate to. And I also, if I look back historically on patterns that I have, I am definitely a binge eater and then shame myself and not eat not not eat but like eat very clean for a week and then and I'm trying to obviously it's a balance right and it's just what makes you feel good in the moment you know on a Friday night sorry I want to eat a pizza and I want to have a bottle of wine and that is that I do it once a week or maybe twice a week and and but then again it's like I shouldn't be shaming I should be 
understanding that this is just what my body needs in this moment. And there will be days where I eat very clean and that feels so good as well. So it's just this like it, it, it definitely you, you need to catch yourself in the moment. And I think we talk about this a lot with just even just uncomfortable emotions in general. When you find yourself falling back into it, examining it and coming at it with a sense of curiosity rather than judgment and just saying, OK, interesting. This is a pattern of mine. Um, that's great. Let me just become aware. Do I want to shift it? Do I want to maintain it what do I want to do about this does it make me feel good good or bad rather than like punishing yourself and I I think a lot a lot of women find themselves in that shame spiral yep yeah for for me I've started to reestablish my relationship with food as really looking at it as the thing that nourishes me and so I'm actually kind of starting to get really interested in the benefits of different foods so Um, and just eating more vegetables constantly just because it makes me physically feel good. Um, and then, yeah, like have the pizza, have the ramen, what have you be it. But for me, my main thing with food is that I overeat when I'm emotionally uncomfortable. And so the shame for me was, oh, I just like ate a bunch of cookies or, oh, I had like two things of cereal. I could have just had one. For me, it's not, as you said, like not about the food in those moments. Like I like after I did it today, I was like anxious and I ate something and I said, you know what? After I ate it, I just checked in. I said, my body wasn't asking me for that. Like I wasn't actually hungry. I ate that because I was anxious. And I said, you know what? Next time I'm going to give my mind what it needs. I'm not going to, I'm not going to black it out with something else. And so it's just like, it's so individualized for each person, but I think looking at food as nutrition and like fuel and love is such a more beautiful way, in my opinion. I have a question in relate, it relates to that. Um, you know, what do you find is a good mechanism for eating for boredom? Because I fall into that a lot. And I wonder if, again, I think it ties into all of this about the psychology of eating and this, but what, why do we do that and what can we replace it with? Yeah, I think that that's such a, such a really great, great question. You know, I, 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 I use this example a lot. You know, it's oftentimes, you know, when you're either bored or stressed or anxious, like you find yourself like walking into the kitchen and you open up the, the refrigerator and you're looking and you're like, mm, you're, you're, you're lucky enough to not have to deal with food deprivation. You have a refrigerator full of food and it's like, okay, but there's nothing to eat. So you close the refrigerator and you go over the cupboard or the pantry and you open up the pantry and you're like, again, lucky enough to have food. And you're like, there's really nothing that I want. And it really comes down to, you're not hungry. You're, you're bored, you're anxious, you're lonely. And so what I like to tend to do is like, like really try to do this intuitive, like intuitive eating. Like, am I hungry? Do I need to feed myself? And when I'm full, like not to overdo it, because I think that we just have gotten into this place of, you know, you go to a, well, when, a year ago, we would go to a restaurant and like, you know, some portions are astronomically big and you would, you know, eat and you would get, you would, you would be satiated. And because the food was still in front of you, you would pick up your fork and continue. And it just, because it was there. And so, you know, one of the things that I learned through intuitive eating was to really like check in with myself because intuitive eating it's biologically based eating. It's like what babies do, you know, like when they're, when they're first born, like they, they, they'll take bottle or breast or whatever it is. And when they're done, they push it away because they literally can listen to their, their hunger and their satiety. But we have been conditioned not to, because we are like in your word scout, we are, we are emotional eaters. And so for me, when I'm like, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm like, I'm on the couch and like, I just had dinner. I, technically shouldn't be hungry I may be hungry and so let me feed myself but it might just be so then I'm like all right what do I need to do should I check in with myself like you were saying like do I maybe want to like go for a walk do I want to like read something do I want to journal do I want to do any of those things and then after that like if I'm still feeling hungry then I'm maybe physiologically hungry and that's okay to eat but I think checking in with yourself is such a big thing and to remember to not shame yourself if you've had dinner and you're still a little bit like still physiologically hungry, take care of yourself. Like 
I love that you're saying that food is like, food is fuel, food, food is nourishment and all foods fit. I really do believe that. Um, they all serve a purpose. Um, and they're, and, and when we start shaming ourselves and, you know, berating ourselves for what we did, it just sets us up to weaponize food and then to use it against our, against ourselves in the future. What, what would you say to yourself? Because eating disorders in my mind ish kind of, this is probably incorrect is kind of similar to the time frame of uh, drug and alcohol addiction and that you like go through recovery. Um, I feel like similar verbiage is used or you relapse. I don't know if you relate to that verbiage. My husband's sober, so I'm um, very familiar with the recovery community. So what would you say to yourself when you were in the thick of it now standing here, having walked through your healing understanding that healing is cyclical and ever, ever changing and growing. But what is one thing that you would want to say to yourself in like the, the deepest moment of your eating disorder? So, you know, I, I, so much of the journey to recovery from an eating disorder is very similar to um, healing from other, other addictions. Um, The one thing that I will just share is that with substance use, with alcoholism, with gambling, with any of those addictions, it's an abstinence-based recovery you sever ties with your proverbial like drug of choice with food you just can't do that so instead of a abstinence-based recovery it's more of a balanced and moderative recovery and so basically like you're having to deal with your quote-unquote drug of choice three to six times a day every day um what i would say to myself number one is i had this belief system that many individuals with eating disorders have that i was the exception to the rule that i didn't deserve to recover Um, that I would never recover. Um, And so what I say to people all the time, and I'm sure you've picked up on this, but I'm like a bull in a china cabinet. I speak my mind. I don't sugarcoat shit. And I I just look at them and I'm like, what makes you so damn special? And I do mean that with so much love that the essence, the one thing that we deserve to be, you know, to, to take care of self, to be healthy, but you're not the exception to the rule, period, end of story. Um, that recovery that, that, that an experience with an eating disorder, struggling with an eating disorder is the, is hell. Like it's pure hell. And I came very close to losing my, my, my life several times. And, you know, eating disorders have a very high mortality rate. I mean, every 52 two minutes, someone in this world, in this country, excuse me, dies as a direct result of their eating disorder. So they're very lethal. They're very serious. And there is recovery. There is hope. There is help. And I come from the school uh, of thought in the eating disorder community. I consider myself recovered. Now I'm not cured because I still have those genetics and I still experience anxiety, but I live my life beyond my eating disorder. And I've been recovered for about 21, 22 years now. Um, And I never thought that that would ever be my story. Um, And I will tell you like my, the, the teams that help me recover, whenever they find out what I'm doing now, they're like, really you, are you sure? Like, that's what you do. Um, And so if someone's out there listening that's in the midst of an eating disorder, I really hope that um, you hear that you are not the exception to the rule, that recovery is possible, that my journey to recovery, my, my recovery was the hardest thing I ever did, hardest thing I ever did. It's also the best thing I ever did because my best day in my eating disorder pales, pales into comparison of my worst day in recovery because my life, although it's opposite of everything I always thought it would be, is extraordinarily imperfect and messy and amazing. I was told for 20 years that I would never be able to have a kid because of all of the, all of the side effects of my eating disorder. And four years ago, I gave birth to an amazing little girl. And awesome. every time I look in her eyes, and she's got these super big blue eyes, my husband has blue eyes, I for a moment, like I, I am so grateful that I like white knuckled it through hell and back to get to this moment. So you're seen and you're heard and you're not alone and recovery is possible. That's what I would say. What There's something you said, I mean, first Mazel Tov on so many levels, <laughs> but there's something you said that really resonated with me. And I posted this on Instagram. I said, I said something like after eight years of dealing with a diagnosis of bipolar, I woke up one day and realized I wasn't special. I was just human. Yep. And I think that people who go through mental illness related situations, 
do think they're very special for some reason and and they're not in in a, in the most beautiful human yeah. way it, they're just not it's just it's you're not you're right you're not the fucking exception and you believing that is killing yourself yeah. so yeah. So here, here. It, thank you for saying it doesn't that. serve you. Yeah, it doesn't serve you. Oh, God. Wow. That was great. Um, OK, so I want to transition a little bit because February is National Eating Disorder Awareness Month. And this episode is coming out a week before February. So awesome. Um, we want to allow you to give us some resources, um, sure. especially things that you programs or workshops or things that you're doing within the Alliance that our mm -hmm. listeners can be a part of, can look to for help. Um, what do you guys have planned for February? I'm so excited about, um, so February is typically, um, you know, the end of February is typically eating disorders awareness week, but because I can't do anything small, I'm like, let's name it the whole month. Like, why not? <laughs> Um, so we're actually doing this amazing virtual three-day event the last weekend of February called Not One More Weekend, and it's based on our three pillars at our organization, which is help, support, and recovery. Um, and so on February 26th is our National Day of Help, where we're asking folks to pick up the phone because stigma is really the, deter the deterrent of, of people getting help. So stop living in silence stop you know doing this on your own we're never meant to do this on our own we're not supposed to do this on the on on your own pick up call the alliance we can connect you to any level of care wherever you are in the country saturday is our national day of recovery and we are actually going to do a 16-hour support group marathon from 8 a.m. all the way to midnight, every hour on the hour, there's going to be different support groups for individuals that are struggling with recovery, that are in the LGBTQ community, that might have a dual diagnosis of eating disorders and substance use because there's a 50% co-occurrence. So 50% of individuals with eating disorders also have a substance use disorder because, again, it's that maladaptive coping mechanism. And they're all therapist-led. There's going to be some amazing groups. And anyone across the globe can hop on at any time and get support wherever they are. And then Sunday is our National Day of Recovery, where we're going to urge people to live their life beyond their eating disorder. So to get out there, you know, smash the stereotypes, smash the stigma, like change their pictures on Instagram and on Facebook, share messages about eating disorder recovery. Um, reach out to their members of Congress and ask them to support eating disorder legislation. And at the end of the day, at six o'clock PM, we're gonna do this amazing rally for recovery. And um, you are the first to know that our, um, our main speaker is the fabulous Hunter McGrady, who was the first plus size model to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit. Um, she also has an inclusive and amazing clothing line that goes from extra small to six X on QVC called All Worthy. Um, we have an amazing mom, Kitty Weston, who lost her daughter, Anna, 20 years ago and has in, been integral in, in passing legislation um, and just a really like effing cool, like 45 minutes where people and loved ones can all come together and say, not one more, like not one more life taken, not one more moment stolen to this insidious disease. So folks can learn all about it. It is a free weekend. We never want cost to be a barrier um, at our website, or we actually have a special event website, um, notonemore.co, not.com, co. You're not going to get anywhere with com. Um, <laughs> but I also want to let your, your listeners know that the Alliance is here to support you. We have free clinician-led virtual support groups every week, numerous times a week. We do connect people to all levels of care um, across the country. And more than anything, we're there to help folks navigate this, this really difficult journey and let them know that they're not alone. Oh, that is so amazing. And thank you for all the work that you do you. and this community that you've brought up. I know probably a lot of our listeners are relating to a lot of what we have just discussed. And if any of this is sparking something for you please reach out it's not there's no shame mm -hmm. at all in, in reaching out um scott do you want to ask our last question i do but first also sisters their branding is really cute on instagram oh, yeah. because we love good branding. we don't bring anyone <laughs> um, we don't bring anyone on okay sis that doesn't have cute branding <laughs> yeah, thank like you i very much appreciate that we have an amazing team um that 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 we work with and they're just so brilliant and so amazing but definitely check them out check us out we're at alliance for eda so Give us a give us a follow. 
and we'll have the links in the show notes for for the event and all that good stuff too for so they can easily find it but we ask all of our guests this at the end of the interview if you could brag about one thing and don't be humble <laughs> what what would you brag about I think and this feels really uncomfortable because I'm the last person to like toot my horn and I will, I will step up to the plate. That's why we (laughs) ask this because we know everyone is uncomfortable, but we are forcing you to be, to be proud of (laughs) yourself. Um, I think it would be, um, my, my work, um, in federal policy that I'm, I'm most proud of. Um, I was, um, integral in the passing of the first ever, um, eating disorder legislation in the history of our country. And I've been able to meet with uh, two administrations. Um, one was definitely more exciting than the other. Um, I'm just going to leave it there. He, he who should not be named. Yes. However, he has become the Florida man now and lives five minutes away from me. So just saying. Uh, but moving Oy. moving on to that. Um, and I'm really super excited. Um, I've had the opportunity to meet with our now fierce and fabulous vice president. Um, and I'm really excited at the possibilities of being able to work with her um, on helping to implement amend, uh, major policy change. And I think for me, what means the world for my policy work is that for over 10 years, I felt like I didn't have a voice um, or that nobody cared if I was alive or not. And what my work with like advocacy and policy has allowed me to grow into my voice and realize that my voice matters and all of each and every one of our voices matter. So, yeah. Beautiful. We love that so much. Thank you so much for coming on. This was so informative and inspiring. And sisters, you can follow us at OKSIS Podcast. Love Love you. you.